We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight as we get started. We're in uh, kind of the middle of the chapter. I saw another video. Um, and I didn't know where to laugh or to cry. It was, uh, it was on YouTube. And it was one of these, um, we're going to fix your house deals. And it was in the south. And, and there's this family and their house is obviously in need of repair. The front door needs some paint. The door jams. The paint's peeling off. And, you know, it just... You could see that it was it was needing help, and the TV crew shows up to tell them that they're going to help, and somebody knocks on the door and tells them what's going on, and the family comes pouring out of the house, and everybody is in the street just jumping around and rejoicing and crying, and I mean, you know how you would feel if you're in a situation like that, and all this goes on, and then this lady comes out, and she's like probably the mom, and she's quite overweight. And as, as she comes out, she stumbles and falls on the sidewalk. And um, it's, it, 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 in a way, the way that she fell, it's kind of humorous that she fell. Uh, although you've got to be sitting here thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, what happened to you? Are you hurt? Whatever. And, and then the camera pans back, and the whole family is not noticing her. They're so happy about the good fortune that's happening to the family that they forgot about the lady who's they never even noticed. And one of the guys who's one of the hosts on the TV show goes running over and, 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 and lifts her up and helps her to her feet. And, and then she says that she actually what happened was she was so overcome with joy that her knees just gave out on her. She came running down the steps. She just, you know, overwhelmed. But, but here she is. She, she needed help. And, and nobody's seen the fact that she needs the help. And... And that is so easy for that kind of stuff to happen to well-meaning people, to good people. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we're reading today a book uh, that we're doing in discipleship, and uh, uh, it's written by a pastor. And he tells a story about that uh, there's this great big fat stain on the carpet inside of the church, and he notices it. And so he, uh, for a little while... He doesn't do anything about it. He, he just kind of leaves it there to see if anybody else will notice it. And then at some point, he, he gets a bunch of leaders together and he confronts them about, didn't you see what I saw? Oh, yeah, but, you know. And there, there's all this, it's so easy to miss the needs that are around us. They're so easy to miss the needs that are in somebody else's life. And, and that we just kind of need to crank it up a little bit in terms of, 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 of noticing, of being aware, and then of using what we have, you know, to do what we can do. The pastor ended up in that situation cleaning the carpet stain himself. And, and when he started to clean it, then other people volunteered to, to, to do it for him. But it's like you kind of missed your chance. You know, now it's, he's doing it. And we, as, as the body of Christ, we come together in the Bible. We're going to read a couple of scriptures tonight that say that we are the body of Christ and that each one of us has a different part to play. And if we're not on, on station, if we're not alert to what's going on around us, then part of the needs of the body are not going to be met. And it ultimately will come back to us and, and the fact that we were not operating in the spiritual gifts that God gave to us. And, 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 and again, you know, as, as we talk about this, I think there's a danger when you start, start talking about spiritual gifts and you got a microphone wrapped around your neck because it sort of makes a, a, a sense like, well, yeah, you're up there. You're somebody special because your voice is amplified. And, and, and when the Bible is talking about this, it's not talking 
about leaders. It's talking about members of the family and uh, that we all would be contributing members of the family. You know, um, Carl is doing such a cool job of just laying out the vision of the church. And I don't know if you remember in, 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 in Vision May, but he was talking about early on about there being like three levels of, of, of the people that in the church. There, there's those who kind of uh, come and, 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 and all they ever are going to be is a spectator. They're just going to kind of come and, and, and they want to be fed. They want to be taken care of. They want their needs met. And, and all they can think about is their own self. And, you know, the truth is probably all of us have to grow through all these stages if we're going to grow. We may not grow, but if we're going to grow, you've got to start somewhere. And then there, there are those people who get to a place where uh, they're willing to help and they're willing to serve others uh, and, and to look out for others if it's convenient. If it's convenient. If it doesn't trouble me too much, then I'm willing to do something. But then what, what, there's this level three buy-in where you're going to a point where you're saying, uh, I, I, I'm committed to this thing and I'm going to put myself out. I'm, I'm willing to have it cost me something to care for other people. And it's at that point that we start to begin to really function as one body and, 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 and get together and our life has meaning and we have purpose and we prevail. We, we actually win. You know, we were talking this morning in, in this discipleship thing and we'd, we were talking about what that pastor had said in that book and, and we kind of got off in, in, into some different things, different um, things about the church uh, in, in general, not our church particularly, but church in general, different training venues that we have, everything from uh, children's church all the way up to seminary. And, you know, you can look at any model that's out there for, for training people to do stuff and to bless others, and I can find a flaw in it, any, any model. And the, the models that I like the most, I can find a flaw in them. And it, the, the issue isn't the model it isn't that we have some perfect model. It's that we have family, that we are a family and that we are joined together one to another and that, that that's what prevails over the top of the imperfections of the systems that we build. Am I, am I making sense for that? When I say that, it's, it's the fact that, we, that, that some people in the family of God, uh, and I think this church is, is heavy with them, are level three in terms of commitment. I'm, 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 I'm here for everybody else. I care for everybody else. And, and, and it's that that overcomes the weaknesses. It's that that overcomes the fact that no human system is ever going to be a perfect system and that we can do something and we can do something good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 starts out by saying this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Now notice he was writing in the first century and he was writing to a very mixed audience and he says, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles. Okay? He went everywhere preaching to the Jews first and then the non-Jewish people uh, would come alongside and then he goes on and he says, some are slaves. So some people are really coming from a place of, of, of positional weakness. They're slaves. They don't even belong to themselves. In the, in the ancient Roman world, there, was a, uh, there were people who were slaves because they were captured from other nations and brought to, into the Roman Empire as slaves. But there are other people who got themselves in debt, and so they sold themselves into slavery for like a period of time. But these people are coming from a place of extreme uh, 
inability and, and extreme uh, restraint that other people are putting on. Somebody owns my time. Somebody owns my life. And he says that within the, so it is with the body of Christ. Many parts make up one body. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit, same Holy Spirit. And, 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 and to me, the whole idea of what we call graces, remember we talked about this last week, charisma, uh, spiritual gifts, spiritual, you know, graces that God gives us. It's, it's the motivation of the Holy Spirit and our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that first we see. First we look and we see, oh, there's somebody over there that needs me. They need what I have. I'm not talking about institutional Christianity. I'm talking about the, the family of God, that there's somebody around me. This is one of the reasons that mini church is so important is that in mini church we get a chance to talk to each other and, and people get to kind of put their lives on the table and that we're in a situation where we're going, oh, well, I have something that would be a, be a balm to you in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your hurt, and that, that, we're, that, that we begin to actually discover our spiritual gifts by interacting with other people and ministering to other people, and we start to figure out what God invested in me and what I'm pretty good at because I, I do that and it works, and we kind of go on from there. And so it says, some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we share the same spirit Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. In other words, as soon as you come to Christ, God's intent is that you're part of the team, that you, that you belong to each other, and that, that we're bonded together and we join together. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an illustration that we use around here a lot about redwood trees, you know. Um, I grew up in Oregon where there's Douglas firs, and uh, uh, a, a Douglas fir is a huge tree, and the old-growth forests, uh, they were quite large. I mean, you, you, you could get four men and, and wrap your arms around one tree. And most of the old growth forests have been cut down, the, the stuff that's centuries old. But then you go to California, and, and, and the trees are so big and massive that you could get 20 people and couldn't get your arms around the tree. It's just incredible. The interesting thing about the Douglas fir is that its roots are in the ground about a third as far as the tree is tall. The interesting thing about redwood trees is they're, they're the biggest thing that grows on the planet. Some of them are thousands of years old in the, in the forests of Northern California. You've all seen the picture of where they made a tunnel through the one tree and somebody's driving a car through it way back in the 1930s or something like that. Uh, but these trees have very, very shallow roots. And you, you go, how would a tree this tall stand in a windstorm with very, very shallow roots? And, 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 and the, the answer to that is that the roots are all intertwined with all the trees together in the forest. And so no tree is standing on its own. They're all standing uh, bound together. And it's that binding together that, that, that gives us the grace to get through life and that we need each other. And we go from there. Um, in Romans chapter 12, uh, I think they're going to put it on the screen. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And then it says this, and I underlined it. We all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. In other words, you have a claim on my life. I have a claim on your life. You have a claim on the life of the person who's sitting three chairs away from you whose name you don't even really know. 
And we're only going to ever get to the place where we're really functional, where we get out of ourselves and we start to notice what's going on around us, you know? Um, and, and, and sometimes I think, you know, we, we get held back by shyness or fear or whatever. Um, you know, I, 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 I met a guy that was new tonight. Uh, he, he's been coming to our church for a little while, but to me he was new. Uh, and we had shaken hands once before. But we, we never met. Tonight we got a chance to talk. While I was talking to him, I saw another gentleman sitting right over there walk by me. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know this guy. And, 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 and I'm supposed to be the pastor, and we never met. And, and I'm talking to this guy. I don't want to go talk to this guy. And it's, you know, maybe after church we get a chance to get to meet, huh? Um, but but we, 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 we got to notice, but we got to go beyond noticing. We got to go to the point where, like I saw in that video clip, that we run over there and go, how are you? How are you? You know, this morning I, I, I'm kind of acting weird because I, I hurt my back about a week ago. And uh, the first few days it seemed okay, and then it got, it was weird. It's like, I guess you're back within sympathy of the, you know, you got a hurt down here, and all of a sudden the whole back's tightening up. And, and on Tuesday night, it was like, oh, my gosh. And, and, uh, and then I went home, and I did these stretching exercises that somebody had told me to do, and they've been working out pretty well. But one of my friends noticed, and, and, he, and he just came up and said, can I pray for you? And, 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 he, and he prayed for me, and as he was praying for me, I, I, it was, it was, two things happened. One is the pain diminished. It didn't go away. It diminished, it, and it and it has diminished since then. The second thing that happened was, weird, I felt this overwhelming kind of sense of peace while he was praying for me. But the cool thing is, tonight as he walked in the door of the church, he, 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 I'm still talking to somebody outside, and he's walking by and he goes, so how are you feeling? And, and, and I go, oh, fine. And, 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 and it took a little while to connect. Oh, yeah, he prayed for me today, and he's wanting to know how we're doing. But you know what? It felt really good to be asked the question. It felt really good that somebody uh, is, is, is following up. And, and so this isn't for leaders. This is for all of us, uh, that we all belong to each other and that we are all part of one body and that we're all God's kids. We're going to spend eternity together, and we ought to get to know each other now and, 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 and get hooked up. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Notice it wouldn't say make allowance for each other's faults if we didn't all have faults. Right? I mean, being a Christian is not about having it all down right. It's about that, that, you're, that we're all flawed people and that we all hurt and we all react different ways and and whatever, and that we make allowance for each other's faults because of our love. I don't make allowance for your faults because of your love. I'm supposed to make allowance for your faults because of my love. You're supposed to make allowance for my faults because of your love. And in, in the Bible says in another place that love covers a multitude of sins. And that, that if, if we really get the love thing going, then the, 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 the spiritual gifts are going to just flow. It goes on and says in Ephesians, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. Try to make peace when there is no peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've all been called into one glorious hope of the future. There's one body, 
one Holy Spirit and one hope that we have and that we've been called together into this thing. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, and then notice this, interesting thing. He's talking about all this oneness. And then he says this, however, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. In other words, there's something in you. You know, we were asked a question tonight by Tom Tom. What spiritual gift would you desire? You know, wh where would you like God to use you? And, and, and that's not like, oh, I want to be like that person or I want to be like that person. That's, if, if it's true that the Holy Spirit gives these gifts, and if it's true that God communicates with us, which I believe it certainly is, then there ought to be some little tip of the iceberg there somewhere inside of your soul that you're going, I'd like to be used by God in this way. I'd like to be used by God in that way. And that that, that becomes a kind of a, a trail marker along the road of life that there's, 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 there's something that God's trying to do inside of you and through you and, and that, that would affect the world around you. And when I say the world around you, I mean, we'll get to the community around, but we got to start with us. I mean, the, 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 the playground for us spiritual kids is inside the family of God. And, 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 you know, our church is doing a real good job of reaching into the community. We're doing some pretty fantastic things for the community. We're doing some pretty fantastic things around the world. But really, it all starts with us understanding that I belong to you and you belong to me and that you belong to that person that you never have met yet. And that as we are sensitive to what's going on in other people's lives, uh, we begin to find God using us. Um, there's a kind of a, a, a covenant relationship that we have that's bound us together as we come into Christ, that we belong to each other. Verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body, because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. You know, you, 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 don't, you don't say, oh, I don't belong to you. I, I, I do my own thing. You don't, it's not like that. That we all submit to one another in love. If the, it says, if the foot says, if I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it a, less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? But if the whole body were an eye, how would you look? <laughs> I mean, you'd, two things would be wrong with that. One is you, you gigantic, you know, 150-pound eyeball rolling around is not real pleasant. Uh, the other thing is an eyeball not connected to a brain isn't good for very much of anything. And so, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. God has put each part just where he wants it. Now, here's the thing. You, and this takes a little faith. God has put you just where he wants you. You know, we were talking today, or yesterday, in, in a meeting about... Um, church sizes and, 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 and barriers to growth in, in churches. And um, there used to be a lot of research done about this in the 
1970s, I remember reading some books. I'm pretty old, so it's been a while. But there's been some recent research, and, and one of the guys in our meeting was talking about how, uh, I mean, because actually there, there, there's numbers like if you get a little house church going uh, to penetrate 20 people and get over 20, if you can get over that 20 hurdle, then it's pretty easy to get to about 75 people, and then you're going to hit another flat spot. And it has to do with relationships. And they, they said that probably, the, this, this is what somebody else told me yesterday, they said that they had read some recent research. See, I'm old, so I read old research. But they read some recent research, and they said that um, 120 is probably the most difficult barrier for a church to grow beyond because uh, it's, it's possible to be in a church fellowship and have some sort of a relationship with 120 people. It is, this is why 20 is such a hard barrier. Because if, you, if, if you're in a fellowship of less than 20 people, you've got a tight relationship with everybody. But you can have 120 people and pretty well know them. You know, there were a bunch of us that went to Israel last year, and there were like 40 of us on the bus. And, and people who didn't know each other came away. You couldn't help but know each other when you came back. It was, it was really wonderful. But after 120, it, it suddenly starts to get to be a little bit hard to, to, to know what's going on in everybody's life or, or to know any semblance of what's going on in everybody's life. And there's more than 120 of us in this room tonight. And so you come back and you go, where do I fit? You know, what, 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 what do I belong? And, and it says here in the scripture in verse 18, our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. God has put you just where he wants you in, in what, we're not a real large service here by any stretch. I mean, Sunday morning's 10 o'clock. I mean, they're packing this place out. It's incredible. God is doing incredible things in this church. But in, in, in this size of a room right now, it's not possible for you to know everybody. It just isn't. But I, I think that it gets down to where you just get accustomed to wanting to sit on Saturday night. That God's put you in a place where there's other people. I mean, there's some, I know there's some of you guys that float around, you know, and you move around. But then, you know, most of us are kind of creatures of habit, and we always kind of sit in the same place. And, and, and but I, 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 would, I would bet, I'd bet money. There's some of you, you've been sitting in the same seat for week after week after week after week, and there's somebody that sits three seats away, and you don't even know their name. Now, either you believe that God has placed you in the body down to the chair you sit in, or you don't. And if you believe it, then you got to go. There's a little circle around me that reaches out however far it reaches out. I mean, on a Saturday night in church, what, 12 feet, 10 feet, 8 feet? I don't know. But there's a little circle of people around me, and God has placed me in the midst of this, so that I can have an, establish a relationship with these people. And as we get together and, and, and people's lives start to intertwine and we start to find out about each other, then the spiritual gifts begin to become apparent because as I share what I have in my life with somebody else, I begin to realize God made me this way and I can do these things. And, and you know, uh, there, 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 there are people that I know that, if I'm sick, I'm going to go to them and ask them for prayer because I know that God made them that way. There's other people that, it, you know, I, I have a friend, 
uh, who actually goes to the Kahala service. And I, I don't believe it's like, it's, it's like you, Ron, in patience. Uh, you got 36-hour days when the rest of us only have 24. Uh, they're always out there to help other people. It's amazing. And it's like, I, I don't understand. They raise a family. They got a business. They do all this stuff. And then they serve, 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 serve people. And I, I have this one friend that goes to the Kahala service. If, if, if I need help with anything, he's the guy to call. And I have to restrain myself because I could abuse him. But you know why I could abuse him? Or anybody could abuse him? Because he's made himself available, and there's other people who are kind of sitting on their gifts, and they're not doing anything with what God really gave them. And if they would start to get up and, 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 and make themselves available, we would be just that much stronger as a church family. And I'm talking about stuff like helping you move. I'm talking about service stuff here. The guy's got a, he's got a servant's heart. And so we, 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 we look at all this, and it says in verse 19, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. No one part is inferior. No one is superior. Everybody is on the team. Everybody counts for something. Um, in verse 22, it says this. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Stop and think about your brain. I mean, I don't know. I never really saw a brain, right? I, I've, seen, I've seen them pickled in science museums, but I've never really seen a brain. But from what I understand... Uh, the, if you poke the tissue of the brain, it's, it's like poking jello. I mean, you talk about physically weak. The reason that your brain is encased in your skull is it's a physically weak part of your body. Your, your hand will develop calluses and get stronger. But your brain has got to be protected. And it says here, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest at least important. And you, you got to know that 2,000 years ago, people actually believed and, until the Enlightenment, and, you know, about three centuries ago, people actually believed that you thought with your heart muscle. They didn't know what this thing was for. They thought that, that, that you, you, you actually thought with your heart muscle. And, uh, and, 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 you know, it was just the way that people viewed the world until science kind of came along and unlock the door. But we've got these parts of our body. How about your kidneys? Anybody ever seen anybody with cute kidneys? <laughs> or your liver? Or your spleen? You know, and it goes on and says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. We couldn't live without them. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. There's actually some parts of your outer body that shouldn't be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. And then he says, if one part suffers, 
all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And so you get this idea of that we can't be a church. And, and now at this point, I, I can't talk without it kind of getting over into the institutional part of our life as a church. Because there are some people that, are, that, that, that we wouldn't be here if, in, in this room if some people didn't come in real early and make it possible for us to be here in this room. Uh, you couldn't, some of you that are parents, couldn't be sitting here enjoying this service and, 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 and getting fed from the Word of God, hopefully, if it wasn't that somebody is sitting over there looking after children, and then that somebody is going to probably come to church tomorrow morning so that they can hear the Word of God preached in their life, and th so they gave up extra time from their life in order to do what they do. And nobody's going to uh, probably make a too big of a deal of that. They, 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 they kind of operate in a, in a, in a, in a place where uh, if, if we don't go out of our way to appreciate, we'll never really appreciate. We'll, we'll never even know that they're there. Am I making sense for you? There, there are people who come up here during the week every day. There's, 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 there's a handful of men that are basically retired. And they're up here, and, and, and they're, they're here every single day working on this campus. Every day, five days a week, as if it was a 40-hour-a-week job, just serving all the rest of us. And, and we come up, and, and, and it's, and it's, and it's well-groomed, it's manicured, it's clean. You, you should see what happens on Fridays in terms of just taking a blower and cleaning the parking lot and driveway. Can you stop and think of how much asphalt and concrete is out there? And that every week that, that needs to get cleaned up. Uh, you know, I, we, we have this guy, Tim, that oversees the grounds now. And, 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 you know, I came here one day, I was shocked that Wadilia on the hill is just cut down to nothing. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, what happened to that? And then I come back, you know, two weeks later and it just looks stunning. So here's somebody that knows a whole lot more about gardening than I know. Um, you know, we, we, we have this thing that what we do with Kahala, we always have to take stuff from here and take it over to there early in the morning to be set up for the service. And, and I happen to know that there's a person sitting in our room who's feeling quite sick tonight who came here just so that she could take the stuff to Kahala and do the job that needs to get done. And without her, we're dead meat. We need each other, and we need to serve. And it comes to a point where we need to think institutionally. It's one thing to think organically, but there has to come to a point where we organize and we, and, and we start to go, uh, where can I fit my spiritual gifts that they'll do the most good? And we start to get strategic and we give ourselves to, to that. Am I making sense when I say all this? It goes on and says in Romans chapter 12, verse um, 15 and 16, and this fits with what we just read in Corinthians about if one part suffers, all, the, all parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And it says in, in Romans chapter 12, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. When somebody is rejoicing, rejoice with them. You know, it's so easy when somebody's rejoicing to be envious. I wish that happened to me. You know. No, no, rejoice. Something good is happening. 
rejoice. You know, I'm looking at what's going on in our church and, and uh, incredible growth that we've had in the last few months, really. I mean, last five, six years, we've grown about 50%. But I'm here to tell you, it's really because this young team that we've put together has come up and, 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 and all of a sudden, I mean, Carl's on fire. I, I'm just so thrilled with what's going on. And I, and I never knew it was going to be Carl. I never planned that. I wouldn't even think that. But God thought that. I remember when he was a little boy, eight, nine years old, following me around at church and just, you know, so, sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, he's hearing things that, you know, a kid shouldn't hear because his pastor talk, things that people have to come and say. And, and, and I, I just felt like the Lord was saying, no, no, let, let him do it. Well, it's like this, I, I, I've lived my whole life to serve the Lord, but I've lived my whole life for somebody to take the ball another mile down the road, and it's happening, and I think it's really cool. Isn't it cool? And we need to rejoice over that. We need to rejoice over that. And so it says, be happy with those who are happy, and weep with those who are weep. If somebody's hurting, then, then we should go hurt with them. You know, when I was a young pastor, I, I, I remember... Um, being terrified of what happens when somebody dies. What do you do? And it was just, uh, you know, I, I, and, and as, as, a, as a young man, I thought I had to have all the answers. And finally, somebody kind of showed me this and said, this is what you do. If, if somebody is in the hospital and they're dying and the family's sitting around the room and they're hurting, you, you, you just go weep with them. You don't go preach at them. You don't have to go and have all the answers. You don't have to be you know, uh, Superman. You just got to be there. You got to be willing to go and, 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 and just partner with somebody as they're going through whatever in the world that they're going through. Am I, am I making sense? I, I, I was with a man once when he was dying and, um, and he was alert. And it was a, a very interesting thing. This is, that happened when I was back in California. Uh, the doctors had actually told him uh, pretty much the day that he was going to die and then we went and visited him in the hospital, and he was dressed, sitting on the edge of his hospital bed. He looked as normal as anybody. He had lung cancer. And uh, they told him what hour he was going to die. And we went in the room, and, you know, we expected to, you know, we didn't know what to expect. We were scared out of our minds. And he was cheerful. He, he, he was ready to meet the Lord. It was, it was almost like he was there to minister to us. It was pretty amazing. But you know what he needed? He needed friends. He just needed people to be there for him. And, and he was so grateful. And later on, I talked with his wife, and she was so grateful that we had just been in the room during this very difficult, difficult, difficult time. It says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. There are no little people. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. And do you know what else I would add? Don't think you have to know it all. Because I don't think there's many of us that think we know it all. But don't think that you have to either. Because that becomes a huge obstacle to exercising our spiritual gifts. Well, coming back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 27... It says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God's appointed for the church. And, and he names different 
like spiritual gifts. First, there are apostles. Apostles, I believe, are people who start new churches, uh, who start new ministries. Uh, I think there's probably an apostolic gift that is in operation when somebody starts something new inside of the congregation. And, and so I think that's much more widespread than we think it is. Second are prophets. Prophets are people who, who are, are, are sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord and, and somebody's going through something and, and, and the Lord just gives you some word to go and, and share with that other person and, and so you become the mouthpiece of God in that situation. Third are teachers, um, people who are, 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 are good at teaching the things of the word. Um, you know, and I believe it's a spiritual gift. I've seen people uh, who are good public school teachers not be really good children's church teachers. I've seen other people who weren't very well educated be wonderful children's church teachers. There was an empathy between them and the, and the children. And so this is something that God does. It's a grace from God. It's not something that, that we can, you know, whip up on demand or even that we can be trained for. We can be trained in the gift as we learn to operate the gift, but it's something that God invests in us miraculously. And it says, then there are those who do miracles. We talked about this last week. Um, I told you some pretty wild stories about some miracles that, uh, you know, people just have the gift of miracles. Then there are those with the gift of healing. My friend that prayed for me today. Probably need to have him pray one more time. It made a difference. And then it says, there are those who help others. That the guy was talking to you about that, that goes to Kahala service. That is, it, it, he's vulnerable because he's so helpful. It would be easy to take advantage of him. Probably the greatest need in the body is more helpers. Because there's just lots of stuff going on. It says, there are... Uh, those who speak in unknown tongues, we talked about that last week. And then he asked the question, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? And then he answers the question. He says, of course not. So you should desire earnestly the most helpful gifts. Now, what he's really saying is nobody has it all. I mean, when I first came up as a pastor, there was a theory that ran around that some people were very special and, 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 and they possessed all the spiritual gifts that are in the Bible. And, uh, and, and that was like a direct contrast to what it says here in the Word. Nobody has all the gifts. That's why we need each other. Because... Each of us just has what we have, but when we get together, we have all the gifts and, 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 and all the grace that God wants to operate in our midst. And then it says, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Uh, one translation of the Bible, uh, which I think has caused a lot of confusion, it's, old, it's the old Shakespearean version, says you should earnestly desire the best gifts, which almost makes it look like, well, this gift is better than that. That's not really what it's saying. It's the most helpful at the moment gift. I want to be used by God in the way that's most appropriate to the moment, most appropriate to the need that's in somebody's life. God, figure out a way to work through me or through somebody else, uh, but I want to be available. I want to be the person 
who's not like that video that I saw out in the street having such a good time rejoicing over the wonderful thing that happened that I don't see the poor lady lying on the sidewalk. I, I, I want to be sensitive and I want to be used and I want the Lord to use me in the most appropriate manner. And it's there that we're going to discover spiritual gifts in our life. It's not that I get this wonderful thing and look at me now. It's that there's somebody with a need and God works through me to minister to that need and, and God's grace is imparted and that's called a spiritual gift. In Romans chapter 12 is another list of gifts. Uh, verse 6, it says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts. Now remember, I told you last week, in His karis, God has given us different karismata. In karis, grace, uh, in His grace, God has given us different graces. So in His grace, God has different, give, given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, well, then you should speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If God has used you as a prophet, then when, when God gives you something to say and he gives you the faith to say it, go out and, and, and speak and don't hold back. Speak with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is in serving others, then you should serve them well. You should be diligent about it. You should give it what you got. Um, if, you're got if you're a teacher, then teach well. You know, put some time into it. Be prepared. Know what you're talking about. Study, read a lot. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. You know, I, I was a pastor for like 15 years, and one day I was in a staff meeting, and we were talking about spiritual gifts, and, and, and somebody told me, uh, one of the staff, it was Rob McWilliams, I think, that, that I had a gift of encouragement. And I went home and I told my wife, and she goes, well, Yeah. And, and, I mean, we started all these churches, we, we, and, and we, we worked with all these people who didn't really believe in their self, and suddenly they did believe in their self. And, and it's like, oh, yeah, maybe I do have a gift of encouragement. But see, I, I wouldn't have said that at all. It, it took somebody else to go, and this is pretty much kind of how it works. It's you get willing to serve the body and serve the family and to be used when there's need in somebody's life. And at some point, somebody will go, oh, you got the gift of, and you go, I do? It's kind of like that. You know, it's, it's as we enter in to ministry that the gifts begin to become visible in our life enough that we're aware of it. And I have the gift of talking too long. I can see the clock back there. Um, if your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. You know, I believe if you have the gift of giving, you probably have the gift of getting. That God blesses us financially so that we will bless others financially. Uh, I, I just heard of a man in Japan this week who just uh, is so, so gracious with his money. He's a recent Christian. He's fabulously wealthy, fabulously wealthy. And he's, he's given millions of dollars to ministries. And, and he goes, it all belongs to the Lord. It's just there, you know. Look, if God has given you the gift of giving, then be generous about it. If God has given you, gift of, given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. Be careful about your ability to lead others and, and uh, make sure that it, it works well for the greater good. If God has given you a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Uh, that gift in another translation is called the gift of mercy. There's some people that just are merciful people. They just 
when, 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 I mean, you talk about weeping with those who weep, they're going to be there, and they're, they're going to care, and they're going to go out of their way. I, you know, I look at, at Colleen Kalama, and I always tease her about that. Uh, she was born to be the receptionist of Hope Chapel, Kanye Bay. <laughs> because, A, she keeps this huge team of volunteers going. I mean, it's just amazing. But B, she, 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 she seems to know about every hurt and ache and pain in the family. And, and she just is there for people. She's just loving on people. It's just, just and, and, and what would we do without her? It's fantastic. And so if God has given you the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do it, do it with happiness. You know, there's, there's, there, there is a problem. See, there can be a problem with any spiritual gift because it can be misused. Or, or, or you can get weary. And, you know, you can get to a point where you're showing mercy and you're mad at the other people who aren't so merciful. But then again, if you understand the body of Christ... You understand that you have a gift. You're like an ear that can hear, and somebody else is like a hand that can serve, and they're not going to necessarily get what you get. And so do it, do it in a way that's a happy way. Do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. We should be really good at honoring each other. One of the things that I, I, I read a biography recently of Ronald Reagan, and, and there was a thing that he kept always on his desk, is, and, and it said, and, and you know, you can push it to the point that you pushed it too far, but what he said is, uh, nothing is impossible to the man who doesn't care who gets the credit. Nothing is impossible to the man who doesn't care who gets the credit. And he, he kept that when he was president. He had that on, sitting on his desk. Well, you know, if, if we're good at honoring other people, uh, then we're all going to get lifted up and way more is going to get done and good things are going to happen as a result. And then it says this, and, and I'll just leave you with this, verse 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. And I want to bring you back to what I said about that video in the beginning. Here's this family that's all rejoicing because their house is going to get rebuilt. And here's one of the family laying on the sidewalk, hurting real bad. And everybody's so, so happy that they don't even notice. And I think that, there, that there's, a, there's a, a need for us to go, no, I am going to notice. I am going to notice. And it would be lazy for me not to notice. I'm going to have my eyes open and my ears attuned to what's going on in people's lives. And again, do you believe that God placed you in the body? Do you believe enough to believe that he placed you in the chair you're sitting in tonight? <laughs> Who's sitting in an eight-foot circle around you? Do you know them? Because they probably sit there every darn week. <laughs> Don't be lazy. Is it, he ends up with, in other words, get, get busy. Do something with what God gave you. Well, I went and talked seven minutes over the time that I was allotted. Um, <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we come to you tonight and we thank you for this church. We thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for where you're taking us as a family. But each one of us would pray and we would come to you and say, Lord, I, 
I, I, I want to figure out a little better than I do right now. Where do I fit and how do I fit? And how am I gifted and how am I to serve? I want to be everything that I can be and everything that I'm called to be. I surrender my heart to you. And Lord, I pray that the gifts that you have already invested in me would begin to come to the surface as I set myself up to be a committed person to my family around me. Lord, a level three commitment that I'm willing to go out of my way and it costs me something to care about these other people. I surrender my heart and my soul to you tonight in Jesus' name. Now keep your eyes closed for a couple minutes longer and um, I always want to end service by giving people an opportunity to pray and just say, God, I'm, I'm feeling distant and I want to get where I need to be with you. And so we're going to pray a prayer in a couple minutes that just reflects what God did for us in sending his son into the world. The son of God who never rebelled against God because that's what sin is. Who laid down his life as a sacrifice for all of us who rebelled against God in myriad ways. And I think it's, it's the Bible calls it the mystery of salvation. Somehow, uh, it w we'll never fully understand it until we get to heaven. But there's this incredible transaction that took place. Son of God laying his life down so God could say, I just forgive you. I accept you just the way you are. Love covering a multitude of sins.